when I first found out that we were going to have this party for Bernie, I thought, oh man, I'm preaching on hell. <laughs> and I was like, um, how do I tie this in? And, and then I thought of, of, of Bernie and her life, and I thought, well, <clears throat> this is a great way to honor her. Uh, not the hell part, um, <clears throat> but the, the avoiding hell part. Um, she is a faithful prayer warrior. Um, trust me, I feel her prayers every, every day, and I, I thank her for her faithful prayers. And, and today, I think you'll see, if you know Bernie, you will see the importance of a message like this and why she would want us to take it seriously. Um, so last week, we started this series on hell. Uh, we looked at the, the question, does everyone uh, go to heaven? A tough question to ask, um, because be, to be quite honest with you, we don't want to know the answer. Uh, we do, but we don't. Um, we're terrified of what that answer is. Um, it's a hard question to answer. Um, however, it's not a hard question to arrive at the answer, but it's a hard question for us to take in when we find out the answer, that not everyone does go to heaven. It's, it's something to, to struggle with. It's something to think about and to actually not just take my word for it, but to read the Bible, to study what the Word says, and to find out for yourselves. If you weren't here last week, I challenge you to, to go to our website and, and, and download last week's message um, and let it challenge you. Um, absorb the meaning of it. One of the things that I raised was the question of, we ask ourselves, do you want to believe in hell that, that God would, would send people to a place to punish them for eternity for not knowing him? <clears throat> well, I, I hope for most of us the answer is no. We, we don't want to believe in a God like that. So I change the question on you. I ask you, could you believe in a God that would exalt those who honor him and, and love him and have a relationship with him and, and send them to heaven, but have people still go to hell who don't know him? Could you? It's not a matter of if you get to persuade God and actually change reality. It's not a matter of that because you can't change reality. But the question is, could you believe in a God like that? Let's be honest with each other. Hell's not exactly a topic that we really want to know about. But at the same time, we need to know about it. We need to know the reality that there is a heaven and a hell. But our natural response, we respond in one of two ways. The first one is flight. This looks a couple of different ways. The first one is to avoid it like the plague which sadly most churches have done today. We just avoid it because hopefully if it's 
not talked about. It's not there. It doesn't exist. We don't want to talk about it. We don't, some of us even refuse to acknowledge the existence of it. We have this mindset, if, if we don't acknowledge it, it can't hurt me. And we also read into the scriptures what we want them to say instead of what they actually say. But the second response we may have is to fight. We don't want to go to hell, so we seek to learn as much as we can to know how to avoid it. So we have two scenarios. We either refuse to address it now in hopes of avoiding it later, or we address it now in order to avoid it in eternity. There's a difference. As I wrote this message this week, I'm drawn to the true reality of a message like this. My wife Jennifer and I attended a funeral of her, her grandfather, who was 88 years old. Uh, started a church and, and preached in his church for 51 years. Uh, a faithful man of God. You did not meet this man and not like him. He was a lovable guy, even as he was on a ventilator in the hospital. He's literally like telling the nurses about Jesus on a ventilator. How do you do that? You could just see it in his eyes, the acknowledgement that he had. And even today, having two little children like this, just starting life, and one man beginning a new life. I'm drawn to the true reality of a series like this, not because it's just Bible knowledge, because it literally has the weight of eternity in it. It's one thing for us to simply acknowledge that there is a heaven and say, I want to be a good person so I can go to heaven. But being a good person doesn't get us to heaven. It's about a relationship with Jesus. So today I want us to address another question. I've already told you pretty much what my belief is. But let's look a little deeper about the question, does hell exist? We're going to look specifically at what Jesus taught concerning eternal life. For us to have a better idea of what Jesus taught, we first have to, first have to look at what the tradition of the times were. Jesus was a rabbi, and rabbis are Jewish, so Jesus was a Jew. So first we need to see what was it that the Jews believed in their traditional beliefs on hell. The Jews actually believed in a literal place called hell, where those who were apart from God would spend eternity in punishment, forever separated from God. So that is, that is what the Jews believed. So as a good Jewish rabbi, he would have taught these same things. But we all know that in the standards of a good Jewish rabbi in that time, Jesus did not fall into that category. 
Because he challenged the beliefs. He challenged the rituals and the traditions of the times. And he didn't hesitate to step up and to speak out against the people who weren't acting according to God and his laws. So if Jesus rejected the Jewish beliefs about hell and was going to teach anything contrary to what the Jews believed, he would have to be really clear about this, right? I mean, he would have to specifically say that hell does not exist and that I am coming to save you so you don't need to worry about hell because all of us are going to go to heaven. We can say that if he was going to reject the beliefs, we can firmly believe that he would have just by looking at past experiences. He spoke up about divorce and forgiveness. He redefined what it meant to be wealthy. He challenged the Sabbath laws of the Pharisees. So we see in Matthew 10, verse 28, It says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It's important to know the translation of the word here for hell. The word translated for hell is Gehenna, which which is a Greek word that was commonly used in the New Testament for a place of punishment. It was actually derived from the Hebrew name for the Valley of Ben-Haman. And this valley was actually southeast of Jerusalem. And during the period of the Old Testament, this valley was actually used for child sacrifices to idols, to the gods of Molech and Baal. In the time of Jesus, it was actually a dump. It was where all of the waste from Jerusalem was taken outside the city and thrown into this huge pit in this valley. But it even had a deeper significance. You see, they wouldn't just take the trash and throw it out there. They would take their dead animals and and throw it out there. If you were considered an outcast, if you had leprosy, if, you, if your body was not claimed for burial, your body was taken and thrown in this valley. So Jesus uses this word Gehenna to describe hell, to describe a place, a potential place apart from God. In the Jewish tradition, to be refused burial, to be left exposed as food for the scavenging dogs in the valley was equal to bearing the curse of God. Do you think Jesus knew that when he taught and used the word Gehenna? Yeah. To not be buried was to be cursed from God. So he uses this as a symbolism, as a symbolic place of what hell was. Some people want to debate the existence of hell on the basis of the location of where hell is. 
Where, where is it? Is it a place like heaven where we go after we die? Is it a place on earth? Is it a place we've never heard of? Where, where is it? Well, if we can't know where it is, then it doesn't exist. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. One theologian says, exclusion from the presence of God is the central meaning of hell. Exclusion from the presence of God. Is there a place where hell is located? Yes. I believe there is a place where hell is located. Do I know the place of this place called hell? No. I cannot provide you with the address to put into your GPS. However, I can tell you the general location of hell. Believe it or not, I can tell you the general location of hell. Hell is the absence of God. Hell is the place where God is not. Hell is the place where we go and we leave the presence of God. If you will, let's look at a passage of scripture that I want us to break down a little deeper. It's Matthew chapter 25. It says, At the time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and, and fell asleep. At night, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready when ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the doors for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So let's look at this a little closer. The first important thing that you need to realize here is that the bridegroom is Jesus. Jesus is telling this parable. He's telling this story, but he's actually in the story. 
He's the bridegroom. In multiple places throughout the Bible, we find that Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom. In Matthew 9, verse 15, Jesus was, was talking to the Pharisees, and they were challenged, the Pharisees were challenging Jesus about fasting. And Jesus replied to him, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. So Jesus here is literally saying, I'm the bridegroom. I'm the groom. And we find even in, in Revelation later that the bride is the church. The bride is the people who have chosen with their lives to follow Christ, to seek to have a relationship with him. The bride did not know when the bridegroom was coming. They didn't know when he was going to show up. But the story tells us that there are two groups of people here. There are those who are prepared and those who are not. We can obviously tell that all ten of the brides knew who the groom was. Otherwise, they would not be brides. Hope you get that picture. If you show up at your wedding and you're standing there and you don't know the person next to you, there's a problem, a big problem, especially when you find the right person that's supposed to be there. So they all knew who Jesus was. They all knew who the groom was, but five were prepared and five were not. The brides who didn't bring enough oil asked the other brides that had the extra, will you give us some? Now notice, we would think that as followers of Christ, that we're supposed to be hospitable to people. We're supposed to, to help people in need. So we would think, well, Jesus would want us to help them, right? So in our minds, we're already playing through this. Before we even know what the brides are going to do, we say, yeah, the brides are going to help them out, and they're all going to get to go. But that's not what happens. The five women that were prepared said no. Go to the store and buy some. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? glad you asked. You're responsible for you. Nothing I can do will get you into heaven. Bernie cannot get her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids into heaven. I'm sorry. It's just how it works. You see, going to heaven, spending eternity with Jesus is on me. It's not the pastor's job to make sure that I'm spiritually healthy. So I can't blame him when the preaching's bad. How many times have you heard someone say, well, I'm leaving that church because I'm not growing there 
Seriously, come on, sea of hands. How many people have heard it? If you haven't heard it, you're not listening. See, our first response is to blame everyone else around us. But the last time I checked, you can go on Amazon and buy one of these. You can go to Walmart and buy one of these. You can read it yourself. You can learn yourself. There's no excuse. There's no one to blame but ourselves if we do not acknowledge Christ with our life. Unrepentant sin is a fatal barrier in eternal life. If we have not turned to Jesus and repented of our sin, our destiny is not heaven. It's hell. And as hard as that is to hear and as hard as it is to swallow, I would not be doing my job as a pastor if I allowed you to believe that all you had to do was come to church and be a good person and you would go to heaven. Because it's not reality. It may make you feel good, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. The bridegroom dismissive words, I don't know you, is more than likely a pronouncement of disassociation rather than a simple statement of not literally knowing them. You see, I'm pretty sure Jesus knows us. And his desire for us is to know him. But just like a husband and a wife who come before God to unite in marriage. Marriages usually don't last if the bride says to the groom, you're going to marry me whether you like it or not. Usually doesn't work very long, does it? So why would Jesus... Say, you're going to like me whether you like it or not. Because he's just like us. He wants to be loved. He wants to be acknowledged for who he is. For what he has done in our lives. The brides weren't allowed in because they didn't have a relationship the bridegroom for to truly know someone is to have a relationship with them you see there was a difference between the five that were not prepared and the five that were you see the five that were not prepared they knew of Jesus they, they had heard the name before. They had heard that if I just do a few good things and I act the right way and I help a person out every now and then, that I'll get to go to heaven. The other five knew the truth that I had to have a relationship with Jesus. 
And it's those who were allowed to come in. I hope we see the true reality of the situation. I hope we see the value in realizing and acknowledging that there is a hell. Because think about this, just this one simple question. If there is no hell, why would Jesus have to die on a cross for our sins? What would be the point? Why would we need forgiveness if there was no hell? You see, because the value of heaven is increased only on the value that we also place on hell. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you just say, I'm going to give my life to Christ so I can avoid hell. That's not the answer. He's not your, you know, monopoly, get out of jail free card. Because he wants to know you. One time reading gas meters in Converse, Indiana, I came across a Methodist church. And on the front, I usually hate cheesy sayings on church signs, but I liked this one. It said, Jesus wants full custody, not weekend visitation. Weekends aren't enough for him. Weekends aren't enough for you. It's an everyday thing. It's an everyday surrender. It's an everyday fight. But I promise you, it's a fight worth having because we're not talking about the, the 80, the 90, the 100 years, you know, which Bernie's working on. You know, we're talking about eternity, forever. We've got two options. Not one, two. Heaven or hell. If you live for one, I promise you, you'll avoid the other one. Stand with us. As we sing this last song, I think it's appropriate. Because it's only by an awesome God that we have the ability, we have the chance to be forever with Christ. Because you see, Jesus died for a purpose. Jesus died so that you and I could have a relationship with the Father, so that we could be reconciled, so that we could stand as bride and bridegroom and one day unite with Christ in heaven. And so we stand before an awesome God and we proclaim who he is and what he has done for us.
And I pray that you will acknowledge him, not in thought, but with your lives.